Logging the Night Sky Part 2 on episode 281 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. I'm Chris and joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers who love looking up the night sky. And this podcast is for anybody else who likes going out under the stars. So have you been able to get out under the stars recently, Shane? <laughs> well, a little, but not, not too terrible. much. It's been pretty chilly. Um, yeah. And... Uh, I've just had some other things going on in yeah. life that has taken my attention away. So I'm hoping to get into it here in the next week or two. Um, and I have some time off around the holiday season nice. and uh, hoping to spend some late nights outside. Nice. How Sounds about you? Good. Have you observed it all? I, uh, not since last weekend because, yeah. uh, boy, I mean, we've had a couple um, good snow squalls come through. Mm -hmm. When it's been warm, it's been snowy and cloudy. And when it's been cold... It's been, uh, I think we were pushing minus 37 one day. And this last night, it was supposed to be okay. And I know that um, our friend Eric over in Calgary, he was trying to get out yesterday morning. Mm -hmm. um, but here when the clear skies came, they, they came with a lot of wind. And so <laughs> we woke up and it was minus 25 yesterday. There was just a little bit of wind. So it was minus 26 with the wind. And I thought, oh, if this wind stays the same and it's going to minus 13, I'll be out observing Mars tonight. But it stayed at minus 26. In fact, it went to minus 27 with the wind because as the temperature moderated, as it got warmer and it went to minus 13, the wind just picked up proportionally. So it just kept it at the same negative minus 26, minus 27 temperatures. It was just mm -hmm. way too windy to observe, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. It hasn't been great. And uh, in some of the correspondence with Phil, I mentioned uh, that you know, winter here just isn't a great time to observe. Our conditions are often not very conducive yeah. <laughs> uh, to any kind of quality observing. Once in a while, it, it all lines up, but, you know, typically yeah. if it's, um, if, if the temperatures aren't too bad, it means it's cloudy. Yeah. And if it's clear, that usually means it's very cold. Um, so yeah. on those nights, I'm usually not even taking a telescope out because the, you know, the focusers usually will lock up or get real tight. And uh, if I do any observing when it's that cold, it, it's typically just with some binoculars. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm definitely going to try to get some binocular observing in uh, over the holidays as well. So in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about logging and keeping track of your observations. But uh, as a thank you to our Patreon supporters, we're going to give away several copies of the RESC Observer's Handbook and uh, some calendars. And if you want to be entered into the draw, all you have to do is be a Patreon supporter of some kind or have made a, a donation of some kind. We've had a few people make donations. Some people have donated uh, books in the past and uh, and some people have sent uh, in some some financial contributions in, in other ways and we certainly appreciate all that. So if you want to be entered, the easiest way is just go to patreon.com slash actualastronomy and we'll be announcing winners at the very end of this year or at the very start of the new year. So Donnie sent us a, a detailed log. Shane, did you have a chance to check out what Donnie sent us? This is something else. I think I missed this one, Chris. Um, it may have come just to me. Maybe. I, I also got really behind an email uh, this last week or so. And as a, as a result, I wasn't able to read all of them. So, Well, buckle up because I'll walk you through it. <laughs> okay, perfect. I love <laughs> so, it. So, and I felt bad too. So um, we're kind of getting to the, I think, and I think you and I have been in a similar situation. We're getting to the end of, of like the, 
the big things that you have to do for work towards the end of the year. And I actually hadn't replied to Donnie and replied to another email from him, but he had sent us like what can only be described as like an email package. And just in scrolling through, he details it out, but he included, um, it looked like images from a PowerPoint. He had um, some sort of scientific stuff in there. He had images of his sketches, images of his observing log, images of his observing list from a star party. It's just like, looks like Robert Burnham's notebook for when he wrote Burnham's Celestial Handbook. That's what it looked like. That's <laughs> awesome. Really, really cool. Yeah. All right. So maybe I'll just, uh, I'll just read this and then we can talk a little bit about it. Donnie writes, Chris and Shane, I am loving your podcast. I heard you wanted info from listeners on how we log. Attached are a few of my examples. I log various ways depending on how important I think the observation is. My methods are, and he lists four, a simple journal of what, where, when. Like the winter star party, we had only a few clear nights. I wanted to see as many different objects as I could, so I merely noted the objects. Photo documentation. This is number two. Uh, and that would be of the observing event. So like a lunar eclipse, Venus transit, just a camera to the eyepiece. And he actually did more than that. So that's what he said. But he actually sent me photos of him of his telescope setup and then photos of himself observing these events with uh, sometimes with other people, which is that was really cool. And then uh, number three, a full PowerPoint presentation like the solar eclipse. These are what I consider major events. Four, a filled out form like the attached comet one or forms uh, for my view of a new deep sky objects or when I'm working on a certificate. So Donnie goes on to write, if I document anything, it is kept in a four inch binder, several hundred pages worth now, or my journals. It is fun to just go back and relive some of the memories on cloudy nights. I guess that would be cloudy nights, not cloudy nights. Okay. Uh, I have used many scopes in my 55 years of observing. I started out with a 60 millimeter department store refractor on a wobbly mount, no finder and a tiny eyepiece. How I found anything was amazing, but I found Saturn's rings and saw its rings at 10 years of age. I was hooked. The largest telescope that he's owned is a 12 inch daub, which allowed me to fill my lifelong goal of visually observing the Horsehead Nebula. It was a real thrill. The finest refractor I owned was 127 millimeter Explorer Scientific Apochromatic Refractor. I received my Astronomical League Messier certificate, all form documented. So that means that he submitted like a fully compiled uh, observing form diary. And he used his Celestron C8 and manual setting circles to achieve that. That's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, it really is. I have attended many star parties from Cherry Springs, Pennsylvania, and I always wanted to go to Cherry Springs. It was just getting rolling when I lived in Ontario, and it was only a three-hour drive for me, and then I hear all these people like driving, and I don't even think it was three hours, more like two and a half, if that, and I always hear of people going to that, and I really wish I had gone down there. He's also observed at the Winter Star Party in the Florida Keys. Donnie goes on to say, I have some very good go-to mounts, but always sold them. I just like the simplicity of star hopping. I have tried astrophotography, but found it not for me. I did some EAA, which is the electronically assisted astronomy with a revolution imager, which was fun for public outreach, but I still miss the actual photons from the objects hitting my eye. 
Nothing else is the same to me as it is getting the uh, photons in his eye. Uh, Donnie goes on to say, I had a back injury last year and it prevents me from lugging around the bigger scopes. So I sold off the heavy stuff and, and just use a 15 pound six inch Newtonian on a manual Altaz Stellarview M002C mount. That's a nice mount. I think Mike has that mount. Uh, yeah, I have that mount too. It's wonderful. Oh, oh you guys both have it. That's right. Yeah. It, yeah. It yeah. Is, I've been probably using that one almost exclusively now for the last two or three years. And hmm. it handles everything from my little 76 millimeter uh, up to the uh, TSA 102. And it does it quite well. Nice. Donnie goes on to say, it is light and simple, and I love star hopping with it. No computer needed, no alignment. Just turn on the Telrad and star hop to the next photon collection station in the deep sky object. That's amazing. He goes on to say, it is amazing what a six-inch Newtonian can do in a dark sky. When I was a kid, a six-inch was really large aperture scope. All the best to you guys. Donnie, Deep Run, North Carolina, USA. Well, Donnie, you're loving the podcast. We are loving your observing logs. Thanks for sending those in. It's amazing. Yeah, that was awesome. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. I, and I can't remember. He may have sent them just to me, um, or I was the one that received them anyway. So um, it's like part biography, part scrapbook, part travel log, scientific data collection <laughs> yeah. station on air temperature during eclipses, uh, PowerPoint presentation. It, it was really cool to see that variety because, you know, kind of going back to like what Wade was saying at the very start of this uh, sort of mini series we're doing is, um, Wade was, as I was, when I was getting going and logging, having trouble, like getting into the rhythm and maybe, you, you know, maybe for me, I was thinking it had to be done just this one way or something. Um, but like one of the things I was thinking, you know, as Wade is building his, his red light or, or his next invention or whatever it is, is like just logging about building that and how that works once he gets it out into the field and what he was observing, how that aided him in observing it or like you know you can really start to think out of the box and you start seeing how people will sort of create a bit of a jigsaw puzzle of different observing methods and methodologies not just not just getting that standard form which has the circle to do the sketch and then to fill in the date and the transparency and which is fine if that's what somebody wants to do which is like that traditional um you know documentation that you might do for an observing certificate that that's great and if people want to do that that's awesome. But it just shows like there's so many different other more, perhaps other, other ways to bring meaning to your observations. Eh? Yeah, exactly. Um, and again, you put 10 people in a room, uh, ask them how they log, you're going to, you'll get 10 unique answers. And I love hearing about this. Um, it just, uh, it, it inspires me to maybe change up some of how I'm logging and, and, uh, capture some different details. And I do like a very, like I've done a very small amount of this, like, like for me, and I, I get what like Donnie and Mark are doing and, and it, it's so awesome to have um, really experienced observers writing in. This is one thing that I had hoped for and it's, and it's sort of lived out in the podcast is, um, you know, like Shane, you and I, in some ways, we're just like, I, I feel like we're like good intermediate observers in a way because um, there's people that are, that are a fair bit, you know, more experienced than this. Like I've been doing this basically almost my whole life, but my life just isn't that long yet. And, and there's people mm -hmm. that have been doing it just like almost twice as long as I've been alive. And that's just, 
mind-blowing what, what they've come up with and what they're able to see and, and achieve and then share back with us and just sort of open our eyes as to what uh, what can be done. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, I, you know, feel sort of privileged and, and very grateful for people sharing that with us because it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Like some nights I'll go out, like the other night when I was observing and, and the crescent moon was in the sky and I just took like, it was just like, uh, you know, in our text messaging, I just like texted you as like a snap of the moon. It was, it was pretty like with the crescent moon there and there were some clouds and we were saying like, it might be clear, it might not be clear, but I kind of had to take a run out to my place anyway. So I'm here, I'm just going to set up and see what happens. And it ended up being pretty good. Um, but I do a little bit of that. I think, man, I really should be figuring out a better way to, to log that, you know, sometimes I've been thinking, you know, I really should fire up like a, um, like a Twitter or a social media account or something and just start putting it in there, you know, because I, I sent it to you and, or Mike, and then that's it, you know, I'm mm-hmm, done, mm-hmm, yep. but it, it might be a better way. And then like, it's not really logged at that point. It's just, you guys see it and you're like, ah, neat moonshot with the clouds. Hope it clears off, you know, and then that's it. Right. Mm-hmm. But it would be nice to kind of have that as part of that session somehow. And I did a whole pile of sketches in that session, three sketches, Mars, Jupiter, and the California nebula, it would be nice to kind of have that picture integrated with that a little more because that was my experience for the evening and and the experience with the deer was was another part of that evening's narrative. But I haven't really brought all that together anyway. Um, but I like what uh, what Donnie did there kind of stimulates some ideas and how I might be able to thread that together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, Dennis sent us a really nice email. Do you want to uh, take a go at reading this? Yeah, for sure. So Dennis says, hi, Chris and Shane. I've been listening to your podcast now for the last few months and wanted to thank you for sharing such good information for a new telescope user like me. Last year, I purchased a Skywatcher EvoStar 80ED refractor in anticipation of impressing my grandkids with views of the moon, planets, and stars when we are camping. Uh, but I've been using this scope more for myself, either in the on the backyard patio or driving to a darker sky site. Uh, Here in San Diego, California uh, area, the skies are generally clear during the winter as opposed to spring and early summer when we have overcast from a marine layer. And of course, the temperatures are quite nice compared to what you have been experiencing up north, I would imagine. Um, I wanted uh, to comment on some of your podcasts uh, that I listened to and, or sorry, and that have helped me in this new hobby. I enjoyed your recent episode talking about Pentax eyepieces. As my budget allows, I plan to purchase one or two of the XWs. I was also encouraged to purchase a Bader Hyperion Mark uh, IV, I think that is, uh, Mm -hmm. 8x24 millimeter zoom eyepiece uh, you had discussed in an older podcast. I love the ease of zooming in on an object and am well pleased with the optics. Just today, I finished listening to your latest episode, specifically your light pollution comments. Uh, As I mentioned above, we live in San Diego area, which is very light polluted. In addition, our townhouse is part of a community of 70 other townhomes. There is is lots of local lighting that cannot be blocked out. And further, due to surrounding trees and other townhomes, I have limited view of the night sky. But I do have a clear view to the north and Polaris and a clear view between about 60 degrees eastern elevation and 80 degree western elevation. Hmm. But good news is that I have a clear unobstructed view of the zenith. Uh, Another episode that helped me was your discussion and ideas about how to construct constellation binoculars. I've got all the parts and made a pair. I love them. 
uh, this month, I can barely make out the constellation Perseus because of light pollution, but these constellation binoculars clearly show the entire thing. Love them. Finally, I started logging my observations. Uh, I note uh, where I'm observing, the date, and some details about the seeing. I do try to uh, sketch what I've seen as well. Uh, I'm also trying to log the magnitudes that I can see and in, in any anomalies that may occur. I figure this will help me in future observing sessions. Thanks again for all the great information, Dennis. Nice. Yeah, it's cool. really good email. Cool, he went and made a pair of those constellation binoculars. That's awesome. Yeah, they're so fun. Um, you know, it, it's a fun project, and the result and, and the functionality of these things is, uh, you know, you just can't match it with anything else. They're just neat, neat instruments. Thanks so much for the uh, email, Dennis. We we really appreciate it. It's really cool to to hear. And uh, you know, I think we have several listeners in uh, in Southern California. Heard from you know a few people over the past uh, couple of weeks. And so, Shane, I, I was thinking, well, it's minus forty here in Saskatchewan. Perhaps we ought to consider moving the show down south for a few months or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's relocate. Um, that would be wonderful. I did that once. I went and lived in California for a winter. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, no joke. It was up in the Bay Area. It was quite nice, quite lovely. I remember going down to San Francisco one day and it was 14 degrees Celsius and everybody was complaining. And I was like, you have no idea. <laughs> was, and and wow. even just to get some Southern latitudes, like around 40 degrees would be amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah. It's really cool to, to get down South. All right. Uh, perhaps we'll give the last word on the uh, logging observation part two to Tom, who uh, he had suggested doing an episode on this. And we've done two, Tom. We've done two now on this. So you owe us big. No, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> I heard from Tom today, actually. I don't know. Uh, did you see the email? He just sent it right before we started recording. I oh, just no, read I missed it. that one. And then, uh, and then I came up to record and uh, he's uh, buying himself a Pentax 7mm as a Christmas gift oh. uh, to himself. So that's exciting. Yeah. Great eyepiece. Really nice. So yeah, congrats on that, Tom. I'm really curious to see his telescope is called Artemis. It's a 14 inch. Um, it's, it's sort of a tri-dob. I think they're called, uh, you know, ATM telescope built dob. You can go back to episode 272 and check that out. And uh, man, I would love to look through uh, a seven millimeter Pentax in that telescope. That would be mm-hmm. truly awesome. Yep. Okay, regarding his logging, uh, Tom writes, Hey, Chris and Shane, here is a summary of my observing logs for what it is worth. As I mentioned, when I propose this topic for discussion, I am all over the place with with respect to this and have a strong desire to rein it in and be a bit more rigorous while still being able to observe ad hoc. And I'm like almost going the opposite way, Tom. I'm like, I have to be more ad hoc. (laughs) I'm like, I've got to figure out a less constrained way to do this. It's it's interesting. Different things are going to appeal to different people. So Tom goes on to say, my logging falls into three main camps. Writing up a quick observing report via email to my group of astro acquaintances. These are mostly to keep them up to date on how my various ATM projects are working, whether it is optics on Artemis or my equatorial tracking platform or whatever else. But these also tend to generate some discussion as well, which is valuable. And so I'm left wondering how to capture that, which leads to number two, a journal where I write up notes. This is a very nice bound book because I'm really into stationary. That I envision would be like what, uh, what, what a Herschel log book would be like. I write up major observation sessions like Starfest, 
and have it in my head that I would transpose my emails here too, so that it becomes the singular source of truth for my observing, but that rarely happens. Two point A, a second journal in a bound book that is dedicated to my messy observing. I have a two-page spread for each object, nicely lettered, capturing information about each object and a page for the sketch. The idea is that this will be handed to RESC for validation of my Messier certificate. So I'll get that. When I complete it and then periodically update as I make new observations of a particular object. The problem with this is so far is that I have the skeleton for it, but no real content because I have to sit down and make time to do it, which leads to number three, pre-printed forms for the Messier objects. I think it's called the ultimate Messier log. I started this back when I first began my messy observing with an 8-inch Dobsonian in Muskoka and remains my only log of these observations. I want to put them out in my book, but this is a daunting chore. I don't want it to be a chore because this is a hobby after all, and yet it is. I'm strongly drawn to books, and so I really resist using three-ring binders. Doing this electronically is also kind of appealing, especially since I do some of it via email. So maybe I just need to... Need to do quick field notes for the book, but a particular, but a, but a purely digital solution doesn't lend itself to quick sketches. I kind of like the form that Chris has in notes for episode 96 and have seen many similar forms, but I would want to be able to print uh, a bunch of those double-sided and bind them into a book. Well, book. I can see a spiral bound version of this in a small field book format, which would be kind of cool. But all of this work, all, all of this is work, and it gets in the way of doing actual astronomy. Appreciate that, Tom. Thank you so much. So I, I don't know about you, Shane, but but I think there's there's something to be learned here. So what what I hear when I hear Tom writing, and it's kind of what I was referring to from Wade above, is like whatever is like if you're really trying to to rein it in, and I'm not saying people should. I think people should just observe and log how they want to observe and log or not observing a log. You don't have to log at all if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're trying to capture things, I really like I really would would enjoy reading Tom's logs about his telescope building and observations with the telescope he built. Like if that's where the meaning is, personally, maybe that's what I would focus on. If you're trying to do a certificate in that, then yeah, you got to use those forms and then fill them out and blah, blah, blah. But um, I was at the Howard uh, Banach talk a couple weeks ago, or I guess it was just just over a week ago, and he had just um, just a really nice. It was very nice, like leather bound book, so that would satisfy Tom Tom's need for some really high end stationery. But then he just kind of free forms in it, and I might recommend going and looking at the KW uh, RESC YouTube feed. And checking out how uh, how Howard does his logging, um, and so when he's logging, he'll he'll write a little bit, and he'll write a little bit about the night, um, and he'll just write kind of whatever he wants. Sometimes it's a lot, and sometimes it's a little. And then if he needs more space, he'll just he'll just color outside the lines. And I'm kind of the same way, and that's one of the things I struggle with uh, using forms is that you know, so many times I was printing circles and then my stuff doesn't fit in the circle. I'm, you know, like I said, a coloring outside the lines kind of person. And mm-hmm. I just like that sort of free form. So I just use like open big blank pages, do my sketch and then make some minimal notes. And, and that's kind of how I do it. But yeah, I, I think, 
I think there's there's some stuff to pull out of the Shane. What are your thoughts here? Oh, definitely. Um, I again, I, I think all of these have um, a lot of nuggets to to mine out of there for what makes sense to how you like to observe and how you like to log. Um, you know, myself, I just have a little coiled notepad, like a pocket notepad, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I'll typically start each note with um, the object uh, designation, whatever the catalog designation it is. Um, the time, the eyepiece, um, and then I just start writing. And occasionally I will do like a real basic sketch. And when I do those, it's usually just to validate um, later on after my observing session uh, to validate with planetarium software that I indeed saw the object that I was hoping that I <laughs> saw and logged. Um, so that's, you know, kind of my little way of doing it, but like, yeah, all of these have uh, merit to, um, um, you know, be, be uh, borrowed, I guess, for each individual's, uh, preference. Yeah. Well, we're curious to hear what, uh, what people think, um, about these logs of observing. Um, if people have any questions, we're happy to hear. And, uh, do you have anything else to add to this episode, Shane? No, that's it, Chris. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Join our Patreon supporters and you'll be entered into an observer's handbook slash calendar draw. Uh, And you can always send your questions or observations to actualastronomy at gmail.com. Thank you everyone for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com.